Well, Jesus was on the mountain. Now he's coming down. Thanks for joining me today, Dave Therry and the Hope Radio, the Hope Club Podcast. Try to bring God's Word to you in as many ways as we can, make it available as often as we can as well. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 today, and here comes Jesus, descending down from the mountain after completing his sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, the people were up on the mountain. You know what? They're coming down with them too. You would think, didn't they get enough? They just spent all that time in church. It ended. Jesus is going for the next service. They're coming too. Boy, what an attitude, huh? I don't know if we have that attitude today in America. I think today with us, when church is done, it's done. Let's go home. Let's go watch football. But these guys, the service ended, Jesus walks away, they follow him, (laughs) because they want more. Well, Matthew 7, 28 tells us why they followed him down the mountain and why they wanted more. Because they were amazed at his teaching. Maybe that's the problem with us pastors today. Nobody's amazed at our teachings. (laughs) Probably not. But they were amazed at Jesus. So in our time together, we're going to witness two healings that Jesus produced. And the interesting thing is that they were both conducted in two very different ways. Okay? And, uh, We also want to learn this principle, that Jesus heals for a reason. As a matter of fact, everything he does, he does it for a reason. Okay? So we open up Matthew chapter 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, like I said, I told you, large crowds followed him. So you didn't believe me. They did. And the leper came to him. And bowed down before him and said, Lord, oh, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, leprosy in those days was pretty serious. It was a skin disease of open and oozing sores, very itchy, very painful, humanly incurable. It was symbolic of sin because sin is humanly incurable. Lepers were ostracized from society because they were deemed contagious. Okay? So in verse 2, the leper came to him. Now that's a loaded statement. Because he would never have gone to another rabbi or a priest, but he was confident of the love of Jesus. And you know what that shows us? No one is too unclean to come to Christ. Man, that's radical. People need to know that, that no one is too unclean to come to Christ. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. The door is open. 
The invitation stands. Come to me, Jesus said. Though your sins are a scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's an open invitation to all people. Now, this man knew that his healing did not rest on Jesus' love, but on Jesus' willingness to heal him. Because that's what he said. He didn't say, you can heal me if you love me. He said, no, you can heal me if you are willing. I know you can do it, but will you do it? I know you love me, but will you heal me? And Jesus said, you know what? Told him to stretch out his hand. And he touched him. Touched him? There's a broken religious law. Jesus touched a leper. You know, Jesus knew the Bible, right? He grew up a good Jewish boy. And in Leviticus 13.45, Moses wrote this down for the people. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! And that was to warn people to stay away. So not only was leprosy painful, it was humiliating. It was embarrassing. It was lonely. And yet Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Shows that he's greater than the law. Right? He said, he said, I'm, I'm greater than the Sabbath. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He's greater than the law because he was the law. And he said to that poor guy, I am willing. Be cleansed. Boom. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Not here. Take these pills and call me in the morning. He said, I am willing. I will do it right now, instantly. And he did. The healings of Jesus are according to his own willingness. And he was willing that that man would be restored on the spot. And then Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now Jesus is building a ministry. Why would he say, Don't tell anybody what I did? Because Jesus didn't want to stir up the popular but mistaken expectations that a wonder-working Messiah would soon arise and he would be king of the Jews and deliver them from the Roman yoke. He didn't want that. Number one, that's not why he came. And number two, he didn't want get, to get people all stirred up against Rome. So Jesus gives him two commands. Number one, tell no one, because Jesus wanted to keep a low profile in his ministry. Number two, he said, show yourself to the priest. Now, why did he have to go to the priest? Because the priest is the one that could make an official declaration that the healing was legitimate. And then he would also offer the required sacrifice, according to Leviticus 14. So the priest did play a part, okay? So that was one healing. Beautiful job, Jesus. That was awesome. The crowd saw it. Keeps on walking. 
verse 5, Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him. And he's saying, Oh, Lord, my servant, he's lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. You know, there were some people in those days, I'll tell you what, they had some serious afflictions. Really? I mean, we have them today, too. And it seems like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with these. But Jesus was there. So this guy's a centurion. A centurion is a commander of a hundred men, a hundred soldiers in the Roman army. You've heard of Legion. Legion is a company of 6,000 men. It's divided into what's called 60 centuries, each century being a hundred men. So a centurion is a commander of one century of a hundred men. The centurion was actually the backbone of the Roman army. He was responsible for the discipline and the morale of the troops. He was steady in action, reliable. The centurions would hold their ground even until death. And you know, whenever centurions are mentioned in the New Testament, they're mentioned with honor. Did you ever notice that? They're mentioned with honor. In Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four, it was a centurion that recognized Jesus on the cross as the Son of God. Remember, that's the guy that said, truly, this is the Son of God. That's a centurion. In Acts chapter 10, verse 22, the centurion was spoken well of by the people of Israel. In Acts 22, 25, a centurion discovered Paul was a Roman citizen and rescued him from being scourged. In Acts 24, 23, Paul's overseeing officer who treated him kindly was a centurion. And he allowed Paul's friends to visit him. So I know we have a, a kind of a idea of what the Romans were like. And a lot of the soldiers were brutal. But the centurions that are mentioned in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, they were, they were pretty decent guys. Here, we've got the centurion that comes to Jesus and he calls him Lord. Even a Gentile knows the compassion and the power of Jesus. And it goes to show you that you don't have to grow up in church to learn about Christ. You can learn about him from others. That's why our testimonies are so important. Because our testimony can communicate who Christ is. And people that never went to church, they can hear, and they can learn. They can be saved. So in verse 7, Jesus said to him, remember we're in Uh, Mark 8, verse 7, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. You know, the word heal is the word therapeuo. It's where we get the word therapeutic, right? It means I will come and wait upon him. I will come and tend to him. But the, the centurion said, Oh, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But if you just say the word, I know my servant, He'll be healed. I know that. If you just say the word. See, in Greek, the words I do not deserve are the same as those used by John the Baptist in John chapter 3. 
where he said, I am not fit to untie the laces of his sandals. The entire statement reveals how highly the centurion regarded Jesus and also reveals his own sense of unworthiness to even ask this Jewish wonder worker to enter his house and heal his servant. So the servant or the centurion, he's saying two things here. Number one, my house is unclean to you. I'm a Gentile. And you know what he's doing? He's respecting the religion of Jesus being a Jew because the Jews didn't go into Gentile houses. And we need to do that. There's a good lesson there. You might disagree with somebody else's religion, but never disrespect it. When you disrespect the religion of someone, you disrespect the very core of their being. Just like if someone disrespected your walk with Christ, they're disrespecting your very being. And what you do is you shut the, you shut the doors of any kind of conversation. You don't agree with them, that's okay, but you don't disrespect them. Especially we're talking, you know, in a one-on-one conversation, whether they're Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Muslims or you name it. There's millions of them out there. But you, you never disrespect the religion of another person, okay? So, and this centurion, he knew that. That's why I say, Jesus, I'm not worthy. My house is unclean. You don't, I don't want you to step into an unclean house. The second thing he was saying was, I understand the authority of the word. And he explains why in verse 9. He said, I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this soldier, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. He understands the principle of the authority of the word, that when someone is of a high position, their word is gospel. Their word is to be obeyed. As a centurion, he has command over people under him. He's saying, Jesus, I know with you, you're the Lord. And your word has command over everything else. Remember back, we said back in chapter 7, the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching. Well, Jesus has a similar response to the faith of this centurion. He's pretty amazed himself. And in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, <laughs> he marveled. And he said to those who were following him, remember all those people? They're all following Jesus. We want to learn some more. Come on, Jesus, keep teaching. Keep preaching. Wait, let me get my notebook. What was that again? Can you repeat that? And Jesus looks at that crowd of all those Bible students. And you know what he said to them? Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. <laughs> He's saying this Gentile Roman centurion has greater faith than even the people of God, than even the Israelites. He says, I've never seen faith in, the, in, in Israel like I do in this guy. And Jesus admired this guy. He's like, wow. He was taken aback. See, faith gets Jesus' attention. Let's remember that. 
I think sometimes as Christians we get all worked up, you know. I gotta, I gotta hurry up and produce good works. But you know what really pleases God? Faith. Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's what He's looking for. Faith. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose heart is strong toward Him. So in verse 11, He said, I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying, man, People will come from all over the world to dine at that fellowship, but you know what? Some of the people of God's nation will not be there. They'll be cast out. Because, you see, the Jews believed that when the Messiah came, there would be a great banquet. And the great creatures of the earth, the behemoth, and the great sea creatures, they would provide the fair. <laughs> but it never crossed their minds that any Gentiles would be present. Never thought about that. And note the words of Jesus, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. They're not going to be let in. In that place, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because of regret because of shame, because of their sin of rejection. That's why they thought their national heritage would get them in. No one's national heritage ever got anyone in. William Barclay said, the Jews had to learn that the passport to God's presence is not membership of any nation. It is faith. It's faith. Didn't I say that? Faith. He must have got that from me. Although he lived over a hundred years ago. (laughs) It's faith. Faith is the passport to heaven. You know why? Because God set it up that way. God made it that way. And he made it so easy for us to take our faith and direct it toward Christ. See, there are people, they direct their faith toward themselves. That's not going to do it. Some direct their faith toward their church. That's not going to do it. Or toward their their denomination. That's not going to do it. Or they direct their faith toward their works. That's not going to do it either. Faith must be directed toward Christ. You know why? He's the Savior. That's why. He's the one that came and died. So Jesus said to this Samaritan, I mean centurion, He said, go, and it shall be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. (sighs) See, Jesus doesn't have to be present. He could have gone there and healed them, but he said, okay, you know what? If you don't want me to come to your home, no problem. I'll do it from here. Boom. And he said the word and he's healed. It's incredible. That Jesus is not limited by space by time, by matter. He's above it all. 
You know why he's above it all? He's the creator of it all. Whatever someone creates, they're above that. If you're a creator, if you're a craftsman, and you make a wooden table, you're above that table. If you're a potter and you make a pot, you're above that pot. If you're a baker and you bake a cake, you're above that cake. Whatever. The creator is always greater than the creation. And Jesus being our creator, he's greater than anything in this creation, especially our bodies. And he can command healings whenever he desires from wherever he is. So in summary, what have we seen here? That Jesus heals for a reason. And what are some of those reasons? Here's what I would say. Number one, to show compassion. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And a lot of his life was all about revealing the Father to the world. What's God like? Look at Jesus. What's God thinking? Go listen to Jesus. So he came to show compassion. Secondly, another reason he heals, to demonstrate his willingness or his unwillingness if that's the case, to show that he has authority over sickness. And sometimes he'll use that authority. Sometimes he'll let it go. You know, the Apostle Paul, he had a wonderful gift of healing for many, many people. And then toward the end of his ministry, he couldn't heal anymore. It seems like God just removed it. Why? Because the healing ministry always had a purpose. The purpose was to draw attention to God. There was no completed canon of Scripture, but now we have the Bible. So the Bible testifies of God. Okay? And people of God in those days needed to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They needed to give evidence that they were of God, so they had the gift of healing. But today the Word does all of that. Jesus said, as far as teachers go, you want to know if they what kind of person they are, you'll know them by their fruit. Look at their fruit. Okay? And then the third reason I think Jesus heals, to remark on the importance of faith. Faith is vital. I'm not saying you that the more faith you have, the more Christ will heal. What I'm saying is, faith will bring you to Christ. I know there are those today in evangelistic circles, and they say, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. That's bad ministry, and that's unfair, and it's not right. Faith isn't the basis of our healing. Faith brings us to Christ to ask him for the healing. Okay? That's what faith is. It's not, well, do I have enough faith to be healed? That's never the question. Do I have enough faith to go to Jesus and ask him? That's the question. So more than anything else, Jesus is looking for faith in our life. That's what he's looking for. Faith. I mean, we live in a world today, right, where the thing that's not on most people's mind is faith. It's on your mind. Because you're listening. But most people, faith is not a priority. They're trying to get by with other means. 
but there are no other means that can do what faith can do. Because faith invites God in. That's why we want to grow in our faith and we want to develop our faith. It gives us strength. It gives us security. Next time we're together, we're going to see what follows a healing. Is that the end of the story? When someone's healed, is that it? Or does something follow? Is there more to it? I think it's good to to keep tracking and see where Jesus is going. But it's so important that we understand who he is, what he came to do, and why he does what he does. And let's not put Jesus in a box and think, well, I got it all figured out. Because we really don't. We don't have it all figured out. I know I don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. That's why we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're always growing. We keep growing every day. That's why listen to the Hope Club podcast. It'll help you to grow. Join the Hope Club. It'll help you to grow. It'll spread the good, the good message, the good gospel of Christ. We're going all over the world with it now. And it's such a blessing to be able to do that. God's word is everything. It's the most important thing in this life. Think about it. You take away the word of God, man, I'll tell you what. You've opened up Pandora's box. Things are bad enough now. Imagine when the church is taken away. So let's keep following Jesus in a way. Let's be like the crowd. Oh, Lord, we want to hear more. We want to learn. We want to grow. But in another way, let's be like that centurion and have that kind of faith that says, Lord, I understand your authority and I understand your power. And I know you have a willingness and I'm asking that your willingness would work on my behalf. Sometimes he does, and sometimes his willingness is for something different. It might not be for what we're asking. That's why we never get guilty for lack of a healing. Because God could have an alternate plan. Okay, that's why faith is so important. Faith will carry us through when we don't get our personal desires met. Let faith carry you through.